You're listening to The Better Angle on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back into The Better Angle here on the BetQL Network. Kate Constable and Cam Smith here with me for the next couple hours, continuing our talk on NBA free agency. And we are going to bring in Joe Cowley, Chicago Bulls beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. Joe, thanks for uh, joining us today. Are you watching any of the NASCAR that's going on in downtown Chicago this weekend? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I have no interest in Are you not a NASCAR person? No, I have no interest in NASCAR. Nope. Joe, Joe, I'm right there with you, man. I'm the same way because it's like, all right, you know, it's it's cool that they're setting everything up, but then also, too, it's a traffic thing, and just I just never got into NASCAR. Like, it's not it's not my thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's uh, you know, growing up in Cleveland, and you just you just there's not a lot of NASCAR around, and it's just something that's never really. I got buddies that have fallen into it, and it's kind of like a cult because you know, once you're in it, they're in it. And it's hard to get them out of it, but it just never uh, resonated on me. So, Joe, we'll talk some NBA free agency then instead, because I know that's something that you are very much interested in and locked in on. Damian Lillard asking for a trade out of Portland. All signs point to him going to Miami most likely. Is that where you see him ending up, or are there any other spots that you think could be a good fit for him? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I definitely think Miami has to be front of the line. Um Look, the one thing, you know, people talk about playoff Jimmy Butler and what Jimmy does in the postseason, you know, two of the last, you know, three, four years. Um, there's another factor that people forget about Jimmy. Jimmy is a master recruiter. And Jimmy, um, you know, this is going back to 2017 when he was still in Chicago before the Bulls traded him. His mindset, his dream was to stay a Bull. Um, and the two names that were out there that he wanted to bring into Chicago were Kyle Lowry and, and, and Kyrie Irving, you know, at the time. And he didn't know how it would work or how the front office would do that, but Jimmy became really close with those guys in, in, in Team USA and, and wanted to play alongside of them. Uh, he obviously it took a couple of years, but he got Lowry. Um, and I think Lillard's kind of the same thing in his in his head, that this is a guy I want to play a, a, alongside with. And, and now he has a front office and an executive and Pat Riley who actually, you know, has the onions to do moves like that and get things done like that and move the earth to try and make his players happy and his team as good as it could be. Um, so I definitely think Miami's the team to watch. I think there's other teams that probably could offer a better package, but as long as Portland is saying they want to work with Dame Lillard and keep him happy, um, which could be a mistake on their end. But, you know, if that's the, the, way, the way they want to do it, then I think Miami is going to be the destination place. But, again, we'll see what, what carries more weight for Portland at the end of the day, Dame's happiness or their future. Yeah, Joe, and that's the, uh, the situation that GM Joe Cronin finds himself in because Kate and I were talking about just the pressure that's on him to make the right decision. I know that – they have said that they want to make Dane happy and they're working together on a trade destination. He wants Miami. That package in terms of comparison to other teams, you can do better. So if you're Joe Cronin and that team is Miami, what are you asking in return when you're giving up Dane? Is obviously his players, but then also how many picks are we talking, first rounders or just anybody else from that Heat team that you want back in return? 
Yeah, and I think it's going to come down to is it just Dane you're sending out or do you want to move off of Nurchik's contract too? If you're moving off of Nurchik's contract and you want to include that in the package, then you're talking about a lot of pieces having to come from Miami, you know, starting obviously with Tyler Hero and uh, at least two future draft picks. And, I mean, you're basically talking about everything that's not nailed down or named Bam and Jimmy, um, you know, at at this point. So, um, to me – the unknown in this, is it just Dame or is Nurchik going to be included in this package because you want to get off of his money too? So that's the wait and see, and that's why it's kind of hard to gauge you know, who would have the best package because you don't know what Portland wants to rid itself of. I mean, if this is a, a, a full-out, hey, you know, we're purging a, a lot of money and not just Dame, then, then that changes things. So um, – that, that to me, that's the wait and see. I, I don't know exactly if it's just a Dame thing or if it's just a complete purge. If Dame does go to Miami or, I mean, the other names that have been thrown around are, are Brooklyn or Philly, those are all teams out in the East. How does Damian Lillard playing in the East kind of change the landscape of that conference in terms of title favorites next year or uh, conference favorites, things like that? Well, I, th- I think if it's Miami, it's it's a no-brainer. I mean, that to me was the perfect piece missing from the final series for Miami is that, you know, when Jimmy's worn down and Jimmy did so much in the playoffs, and you know, people forget, well, yeah, his offense went south. But even going back to that first series against Milwaukee, you know, I mean, at times when Lopez got hot, Jimmy's like, all right, I got him now. Oh, Holiday's hot now? All right, I got him now. Oh, Giannis is back from injury and he, he's going off? All right, I got him now. And when you have that mindset throughout the whole playoffs, it's going to wear down on you. What Dame w- would do to Miami is let Jimmy just focus on, on what Jimmy Butler does best, and that's being a lockdown guy, being a playmaker, and not also have to carry the scoring load. So I think it's a huge difference if he goes to Miami or if he goes to Philadelphia or Brooklyn. I mean, um, to me, Miami is the clear favorite in the East and a clear favorite to for a championship um, I just think that culture and, and, and Lillard would just really mesh really well together, and, and, and they'd be a serious, serious threat. Uh, if he goes to Brooklyn, I'd have to see the other pieces, what they sent out, what's left. Uh, to me, he would just be going to, to Portland East if he goes to Brooklyn. I, I don't see a big reason for him to want to go there. Philadelphia would be interesting because he would have you know the MVP and the and an elite center to work with. But until Joel Embiid shows – um, consistency and a playoff push, I still think there's a big drop off compared to if it's Miami. If, if it's Miami, it's 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 a it's a game changer for these. All right, Joe. Since we're talking Eastern Conference, you know we got to talk about the Bulls. Obviously, the team that you cover for the Chicago Sun Times, you do a phenomenal job of uh, covering that team. Uh, what are you grading their offseason moves so far to this point from the draft up until? Uh, from what we've seen yesterday with the moves that they made, obviously they extended Nikola Vucevic. He got a three-year, $60 million deal. They bring in Javon Carter, uh, hometown guy from the uh, Maywood area. Uh, what is the direction of this team? Are they just like, all right, well, we didn't feel that we're going to be able to make any big splashes, so let's just kind of pick off some parts here or there just to try and run it back for next season, obviously with Lonzo Ball being out for the entire year too. Yeah, I mean, is meh a grade? I mean, if you could give it a meh, you know, then that that's what you're giving the Bulls. It's yeah. just very underwhelming, but not very surprising. I mean, this is what Arturis Karnasovas said 
at the trade deadline and reiterated after the season that they believed in continuity. They believed in this core group. They may be the only ones on the planet that do so, but, um, you know, they're, they're sticking to that plan. Um, you know, I, I've, I've talked to numerous people that uh, about trade possibilities with the Bulls and, and the asking price on prime prime stuff like Zach Levine and even going back to the trade deadline when some or, or last uh, offseason when teams were sniffing around Kobe White, they really have a high, maybe overinflated value of their assets. And when you do that and you also have a team that couldn't even get into the playoffs, a team that doesn't have draft capital future because that was traded away and is pushed against the cap because that's you painted yourself in the corner with the Zach Levine max contract, you're the Chicago Bulls. And um, you are in NBA hell, and it's hard to get out of NBA hell. You have to really know how to play the chessboard to do that, and I don't see this front office doing that right now. Um, could that change by the February trade deadline? Maybe. That that seems to be the new kind of push date of, okay, if the core isn't working by then, they go ahead and blow this up, especially with DeMar DeRozan going into the last year of his contract. Um, but, yeah, it's just very – when you look at what's going on in the East and what we just talked about with Lillard and what you've seen the Cavs do, um, what the Knicks seem to be aggressively moving towards, or if not already are setting the table for besides Boston, besides Philly, um, you know, what Indiana and Toronto are, are trying to do. You know, I think the Bulls could, could find themselves in a very similar situation, if not even worse off. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm not. I don't think Bulls fans should be very excited about the, the draft in the last couple of days. And if they are, they're fooling themselves. Yeah, what does bringing in Javon Carter do? I, I know he adds a little bit of shooting, addresses those needs with his uh, three-point shooting around 42% last year, and now with Patrick Beverly gone out to Philly, uh, Carter, you know, takes over that point guard spot. But it still feels like. If the Bulls don't move Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan, basically just running it back from exactly what things were last year. Is that is that pretty much how you see this? Yeah, I mean, Carter, there's some similarities with Carter and Beverly where, where they are disruptive at the point of attack on defense, which is kind of how this team is built. It's not built with its defense at the rim. It's, it's, it's attacking the backcourt. That was the plan with Lonzo Ball. Obviously, that went south. Um, with his injury, but, you know, when he was playing in Caruso, he and Caruso were just phenomenal as far as just disrupting the backcourt, messing with the shot clock for you to get into your offense, especially in half-court half sets. Um, Patrick Beverly brought some of that back, but we don't really even know if they're just going to say, okay, Javon Carter, you are our starting point guard, or if they're going to give it to Kobe White and Carter's going to kind of keep that role as a bench guy that comes off, and if he's hot, you kind of ride him out. Um, so, But say they put him at the starting point guard spot. Um, you know, he's never really been a full-time starter. I think he started 38 or 39 games for Milwaukee last season, and that was career high. Um, 22 minutes a game last year for Milwaukee was a career high. So you're talking about putting a guy in a position that he's never done it for extended minutes. What they like is, you know, last season with, with Beverly, teams could just double Zach and, and, and blitz Zach on pick and roll, blitz DeMar on pick and roll, and not worry about that point guard 
who's, you know, floating off in the ether by himself, knocking down threes. They just didn't really run out at Pat Beverly and sometimes even Alex Caruso. That changes with Carter on the floor because of the spacing. So it will change the shot profile, which is what they wanted to do. Um, but I, I, again, I just don't, I just don't know exactly what he is if they see him as something bigger, that he's the starting point guard. And the other thing, too, they still have an issue with playmaking late in a close game when, you know, iron's on the fire, who's your playmaker? And, you know, he's not a pure point guard. So that issue still remains is who can calm you down, who can get you into the offense. You know, they tried doing it by committee last year before they acquired Pat Bev. And it was a disaster late in games. It was kind of your turn, my turn between DeMar and Zach. And they, they were terrible in clutch points or clutch game situations um, compared to the year before when it was just DeMar playing hero ball. So, I mean, they, yeah, they fixed a couple things, but I don't know if it's, uh, they fixed enough. Yeah. And that, that question mark, that big question mark at point guard is, is at the front of a lot of people's minds, especially that Bulls front office and this roster, but uh, Jake Fisher, the senior NBA reporter over at Yahoo, said that potentially the Bulls could emerge as a potential destination for James Harden, Joe. Now, talk about the the absence of a point guard and somebody that can play make. Is it? Are you putting any weight to that of James Harden being a Chicago Bull and the Bull trying to package up something or anything to bring him over? That report um, is completely came as a shock to people in that the advocate center in Chicago. So I don't know where it came from. I don't know how valid it is. I don't know who leaked it out, but um, the Bulls people I talked to were completely shocked that that was even out there and not because they're trying to hide it is because it wasn't on their, on their table. So, you know, if, if there's someone else talking or, you know, Arturis is known for being very secretive, but usually not within his own family and members of his own family and not his, I'm not talking about his real family. I mean, his basketball family um, were shaking their heads with that report. So I, I, I don't see how James Harden would even factor in, make them better, fix anything, or even be the direction of what this organization wants. Um, the, the main thing when Arturs came in was to clean up the clutter and clean up the the circus that was going on, and not just in the locker room, the circus that was going on throughout the organization. And James Harden's a headache. And you have to have a certain coach and a certain organization that wants to take that on. I would be surprised at this point if that's even in the future of the Bulls wanting to take that on. So, look, there's a lot of reports out there. Everybody's got their people. Sometimes some are just very wrong. 